Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode, where we'll be jumping 10 years from Alice Wu's saving face and diving into the 2010s of abject comedy and Desiree Akhavan's feature debut, Appropriate Behavior. What about safe word? Like the word safe word as our safe word? Let's cut out the middleman, because what happens if you forget your safe word? Okay, then the safe word is safe word. Director of Miseducation of Cameron Post and Hulu series The Bisexual, queer director Desiree Akhavan features debut Appropriate Behavior is a deadpan humorous film following Iranian-American bisexual Shireen and her sexual exploits in Brooklyn. Shireen, played by Akhavan herself, is a narcissistic bisexual woman with a caustic tongue and dry humor. Her life turns messy when she goes through a less than amical breakup with her girlfriend Maxine. Akhavan's appropriate behavior embraces female sexuality through Shireen and brings forth a fresh and comedic film that has queer Iranian-American woman in the front of the camera and behind it. And a little bit of background. So Appropriate Behavior debuted at Sundance and Akhavan was nominated for an Indie Spirit Award for her screenplay. And the film received critical acclaim for its irreverent and fresh perspective on the New York rom-com. So... I'll go ahead and dive into some of my thoughts. I know something that we both noticed when reading reviews of the film is that there were a lot of connections to Girls, the television series created by Lena Dunham. So I'm a huge Girls fan, and I did notice the similarities. Shireen isn't the most likable character. You know, she's very imperfect. And she gets herself into some cringy situations that don't play to her better self. But I really enjoyed this film, even when its structure tended sloppily when moving from past to present and Shireen and Maxine's relationship. Akhavan doesn't film the scenes different. It's more of a stream of conscious type of narrative. Uh, What's most interesting about this film to me is how different it is from the films of the early 2000s and 90s. You know, we've been covering films like Mm -hmm. The Watermelon Woman and But I'm a Cheerleader and Saving Face, which interrogate sexuality and put it at the forefront of their films. With Akhavan and the trend of the 2010s, we see a new generation that is building upon its predecessors and focusing on self-important character studies where sexuality is secondary. These films are able to mine themes from a millennial perspective on life, identity, dating, etc. And I enjoy the shift in storytelling and watching a film that doesn't have a deeper meaning about sexuality because that's not what's important for this film. It's a realist type of film in the vein of Ackerman, you know, thinking about G2LL. And I think once we dive into these scenes, we'll see how that plays out. This movie is a mixed bag for me, honestly. I really do enjoy, like, the deadpan humor. And again, like, as we mentioned, we saw connections to Lena Dunham's girls. Um, Akhavan really hated that. I think she wrote in an interview how she really hates being called um, coin you know, the bisexual Persian Lena Dunham. And, you know, I definitely understand that, yeah. you know, um, because it's it's something that, you know, to be compared to another woman, be called like a different, like another version of her. Um, I can definitely understand um, that irritation. I think um, also, correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't seen all of Girls. I think Desiree Akhavan was actually um, guest starred in one of the episodes in Girls. Yeah, she was in three episodes in season four. She, um... There was this period when Lena Dunham's character went to this writer's workshop in Iowa, and so she was one of the characters Mm -hmm. that she met there. Awesome. Okay, definitely have to watch that episode. Um, But, you know, Akhavan is, like, such an amazing writer. Um, Just a little background history. I think she's been in theater for most of her life growing up, and, you know, and then just in college, then she went to film. And I think, like, she's been, like, writing plays ever since she was a little girl, you know? And I think you know, in appropriate behavior, um, Akhavan really commands the attention. Um, she commands the screen and her writing, her directing, her acting to me are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so great and what's so great to take out of appropriate behavior. Um, I also think what's great about it is that, again, we're having representation of bisexual and, you know, a queer woman of color on the screen a bisexual queer woman of color on the screen you know that like you were saying nick how it's offering a new type of queer um person a new type of queer film right where it's attracting more towards millennials Mm -hmm. like a different perspective from what we're seeing and i definitely agree with that and you know maybe that's where some of my problems come with 
um, is just how free form in a way the structure feels to me i felt that the structure was erratic and the ending was a bit anticlimactic you know uh, anticlimactic and cliche in a way um we'll get on to that later when we get to the end um but again maybe that was the point um akavan was making with this film you know her life is ongoing the chapters are always being written and you know destinations aren't unknown it's clear that um from other films and shows she's been in that appropriate behavior seems to be more of a personal um, feature for her a more like personal in relation to her own identity and her own experience and you know and, and i think her not following this kind of structure that we've been seeing like in saving face or um but i'm a cheerleader or watermelon woman is probably telling of you know both akavan's kind of humor and style and also again like maybe this rejection of that um format you know because again like as Akvan in this story is saying, it's like her experience is different. And so by having this kind of different um, narrative structure, I think that emphasizes it more. And then also maybe I'm just analyzing way into it where, again, this film doesn't need that deep analysis. You know, it's very messy and sporadic. It has vibrant actors in it. And it's an experience for us to just watch through the eyes of Desert Akavan rather than dissecting it completely. It really reminded me of the type of style of New Crew Cinema, but from a millennial perspective, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's so great about it. And I, as I was going to say, because I hope to see more stories like this, actually, um, more queer stories like this um, in the future, especially I want to see more of Akhavan playing a lead role and directing more queer films like Appropriate Behavior. Mm-hmm. So shall we dive into the film? Yes. Um, let's start off with the opening scene, um, which I absolutely love. And I think we can both agree it sets the tone of the humor we're going to be seeing. And so we start off the film with Shireen on the subway. And she's kind of tired, um, looking a bit dejected. And we know why as we see that she's making her way to her girlfriend, um, sorry, ex-girlfriend's apartment to pick up the rest of her things. You know, she's moving around the kitchen, moving around the room, throwing things in a box. Um, she has this short interaction interaction with her ex, Maxine. And, you know, Maxine's just pointing at this kind of shoe box and saying, take this box, I don't want it. And Shireen's like, it's a present, it's for you. But Maxine doesn't want any part of it and says that it makes her uncomfortable having it. And at this point, you know, I'm thinking it's something romantic. I was thinking it was like, maybe it's a box full of pictures, flowers, or mementos, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, instead, as Shireen is stomping her way down the streets, she dumps those this box of things in the garbage. And, you know, the camera reveals that that one box, there was a strap on inside. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the camera stays on it and you assume that Shireen has left. But then, you know, she comes back, her hand comes back in frame and grabs a dildo and then it cuts to her walking shamelessly down the streets with it um you know with a sex toy in hand and just like swinging it um with no shame and i absolutely love that um beginning scene yeah me too no it it definitely set the tone for this film because you know we're dealing with someone with the title as appropriate behavior and we know that this character appropriate behavior is not a part of her vocabulary you know it's like Mm -hmm. she's so shameless you know she just takes this sex toy and it's like it's funny because you do think that it's some type of memento something that they really share together and you know you know a sex toy can be like that but it is definitely mm-hmm. not one would expect and i think in the early 2010s it's something where you know that humor would be super edgy and i'm sure a lot of people were you know very surprised and probably cringed out seeing that but you know today mm-hmm. it's like well you know we're a lot more positive when it comes to sex and about you know what oh, yeah. we do in the bedroom and so i think that you know it's it doesn't have the same bite but it still was incredibly funny and it was the perfect way to you know set up this character you know she's stubborn mm-hmm. she's hurt she's shameless and you know it's a great little showcase for Akavan. Mm-hmm. And so we learned that, um, you know, Shireen uh, was kicked out of her, kicked out of the apartment or because of the breakup. And so now she's kind of struggling with 
where her life is kind of going after this, struggling to find a job, struggling to find, you know, a place to live. And basically she's kind of feeling a bit directionless at this point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have this interaction with Shireen and her friend Crystal at this cafe. Um, you know, it, their interaction is funny. Um, in a way, I think there's this point where they're talking about like Shireen House, like, I just want to eat all my feelings. And then Crystal's like, yeah, of course, so you, let's get all the fatty food and carbs that we want, mm-hmm. you know, that we that we deserve right now. And then instead they order, I think, like a non-sugar iced tea or something and then just a glass of water with lemon, so, like something completely like you know, with no carbs at all. So it's like going against what they're saying. You know, I was thinking like, you know, it's kind of subverting, you know, some of the realm contracts. It's like, you know, we always have those breakup mm-hmm. scenes where the protagonist is just completely broken, eating everything yeah. in sight. You have like that huge, like, you know, spread of carby foods and sweets. And, you know, they're always with their girlfriends or, you know, the, you know, quote unquote, gay best friend trope. And, you know, they're eating and eating their feelings, but, you know, we're seeing that that's subverted and we see that type of rom-com subversion throughout the film. You know, instead of like eating a pint of ice cream, they're just going to get a glass of water and like, you know, they'll drink their feelings away. (laughs) Oh gosh, that's not what I would be drinking, but. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, But then I think also um, in this, we also get, because they talk about, I think, you know, how towards the end of their relationship that Shireen wasn't getting and they weren't having sex, like Shireen and Maxine weren't having sex. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, And I think like Crystal is telling her, you know, that's not a really good sign of a relationship or like she was just like relaying that information. And so then we get this flashback scene of of Maxine and Shireen and they're doing this little role play thing. Um, This scene was hilarious to me simply because you know, as a role playing, Shireen's like, okay, so what do you want to role play as? And Maxine, like, no hesitation, straight face, I'm a tax auditor. <laughs> and I was like, okay, interesting choice. <laughs> and like, you know, I think Shireen actually does try to work with it. And I was like, wow, she okay, does. she's making it work. Yeah. But then, but then Maxine just doesn't, isn't going for it. Like, she's so into her role and like, you know, talking about like forms and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It it was funny. And, you know, I think what we see a lot when it comes to role play and how it's um, portrayed in media is that role play is kind of like this last ditch effort, you know, and I mm-hmm. think it perfectly applies to the scene because, you know, they're on completely different wavelengths. And, you know, sorry, but tax auditing really isn't sexy. Like I know Akavan was trying to, she was desperately trying to playing Shireen, but yeah, it was, it was not working, but you know, I just kept thinking, cause this is the first flashback we have. And I just kept thinking, you know, how mismatched this couple is. It's like, you know, I know that this is later on in their relationship, but it's like, they just seem so mismatched, you know, just watching them together. And you know, I just kept thinking through the flashbacks and it was hard for me to really understand why their relationship was so important to Shireen because I just, I didn't see it between the two of them. I didn't think that they were, you know, that couple, you know, that perfect rom-com couple. And, you know, when we're looking at Mm -hmm. subverting the trope and I think that's really the point that they really are Mm -hmm. meant to be together. And, you know, it's something that Shireen has to make peace with, you know, after this breakup Um, But, you know, that that would definitely have to um, that would have to hinge on her actually, you know, looking outside of herself, because we can tell that this is a very self-involved character when we get through this film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I also agree with you where I didn't understand their relationship or their connection really other than i think shireen mentions and we'll get over we'll get into it later their first meeting how i think they're like both assholes Mm -hmm. in a way or they're very both like brash with their feelings and upfront and i think that was how they connected Mm -hmm. but anyways then we get we move into the next scene where we have you know shireen is going to lunch with her parents and her brother ollie and ollie's girlfriend uh, what was her name? Was it Laylee? I think it was Laylee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we see that they're all talking about their careers and we see 
um, Shirin's parents kind of doting on her brother, who's a urologist, and he's talked like showing them pictures of penises, I think. <laughs> and Ali and Laylee are kind of like gloating about their careers, more so Ali, I think. Um, and I kind of found this annoying. Um, personally, I, I thought he was a jerk, but I, I think. Uh, you know, Shireen and Ali both can be self-absorbed jerks. Um, I think Ali makes this kind of comment, you know, where it's like, you got a master's in journalism. What are you doing with yeah. your life or something like that? And I was like, you know, that kind of hurt. I kind of felt that personal attack gosh, <laughs> personally towards me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I did like, because it, you know, I thought like the parents would kind of like jump on, like the mom would jump on it too, but like, no, they were actually pretty supportive yeah, you know, it's it's very interesting to see the parent dynamic and where we mm-hmm. see that towards the end of this film. But, you know, I definitely felt that attack, too, because, you know, we both have <laughs> masters in cinema studies. And yeah, you know, I, I kind of feel that way, you know, the same as Shireen. But, yeah. you know... You know, I think this was a great scene because it really showed just the type of characters that we're going to be dealing with with this film. And that's, you know, these self-involved mm-hmm. millennials. You know, we have Shireen and her brother, Ali, who are both, you know, very self-involved. They're from that generation. But I think it's really important to note that, you know, at this stage, her family, Shireen's family doesn't know about her bisexuality. They don't know about her queerness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're constantly bringing up men to her, you know, talking about like, you know, like do you remember that guy? He was really, really cute. You know, when are you going to get a boyfriend? You know, just something along those lines. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's not what's the most important part about this because we're really getting a good glimpse at how directionless Shireen is. You know, she's in a state of arrested yeah. development in multiple stages of her life, you know, in relationships and her career. And, you know, I, I really felt like that's why there's so much of a connection between this and girls, because this narrative aspect, this type of humor, it's what really resonated um, and what was really on display and really pushed off with success by Lena Dunham when she created Girls. So that's that's where I really see that. And we just really see that this is mm-hmm. a generation, you know, that, you know, is trying to find success in their lives after, you know, the housing crisis of 2009 that put us into mm-hmm. a deep recession. And, you know, that, that was the kind of response from a new generation of how they were coping with it. And, you know, I think that's where we mm-hmm. see this trend in the 2010s. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is a perfect example of, this film is a perfect example with how Shireen is leading her life, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see this in the next scene, you know, when she's getting, when she's doing an interview with Ken um, and Ken, who is a, he's completely stoned. He's such a stoner, Um, you know, but he offers her a job to teach kids, Mm -hmm. um, to teach filmmaking to kids, because we learned that um, in this, Shireen also has a background for filmmaking, right? Uh, Which is true to Desiree Akhman, obviously. And, you know, uh, to touch on this scene also, the scene starts off with, you know, Ken going, kind of poking at um, Shireen's Iranian-American identity and saying, oh, so what do you think about Iran? Mm -hmm. You know, and like, oh, do you know Tehran? Do do you know the hip underground hip hop scene in Tehran? And it's kind of just that very like, and to me, that very distorted image um, Mm. of how media companies and media journalists have um, a distorted view of other countries and kind of just more like a um, superficial and shallow perception yeah, no, I completely agree. And, you know, her response to that, you know, like when she travels back to Iran every <laughs> summer is that she just watches Disney movies with her grandma, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, um, sorry. Yeah, there's nothing exotic about my life over there. It's like, you know, that's just something about identity. And I love that, you know, commentary that Akhavan is providing that there is this distorted, very singular, you know, view on Persian Iranian identity you know, that this is what is Mm -hmm. viewed in the United States and that, you know, it's like what we learned in the previous films that we've discussed, you know, especially Saving Face is that, you know, they're, well, now I'm thinking back to, but I'm a cheerleader when, um, 
Natasha Leon's character is asking about how to be a lesbian and, you know, she's told that, you know, there isn't one way to be a lesbian. And, you know, I just, I see that, you know, we're having more stories of underrepresented identities being told. And it's Mm -hmm. like, there is this commentary that there isn't one specific identity. It's like, you know, she is more American, you know, she's more American than she is, Iranian, you know, it's like she doesn't mm-hmm. have those same cultural ties anymore. She's completely, you know, just kind of, I don't know, um, what's the right word? Like she's just kind of detached from it. And mm-hmm. it's like she can't relate to what he's saying because, you know, that isn't the only identity that someone mm-hmm. from Iran has, you know? And mm-hmm. I like that that's her commentary on it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, um, so she ends up getting this job filmmaking and, you know, we'll learn later on because at this moment, Shirin's like, hell yeah, teaching filmmaking to teen, to teen kids, piece <laughs> of cake will be fun, you know, and we'll get into a hilarious, hilarious scene later where we find out it's not teen kids. It's actually five year olds who just want to talk about farts and eat candy. <laughs> oh, it's so inane. I, it's It's funny, though. It's a huge comedy of errors. And it's like. You just feel so bad for it. It's like she really is in a state of arrested development if that's what if that's all she can get at this time. Mm-hmm. And we see this further when um she's moving into this her new apartment in Bushwick, right? Yes. And her parents are helping her and she has these two artsy roommates. And I don't know if that was a kind of like a commentary to the, like the hipster scene as well. Well, yeah, you know, like at that time, like the commentary about Bushwick is that it was the rising place for like, you know, hipster artists and like Mm -hmm. the mumblecore type of genre. It's like we see that Bushwick is that place that's, you know, a little on the fringes. But, you know, at this point, like today, it's more gentrified. But, you know, at that time, it was it was so hip, so cool to be in Bushwick because that's where all the cool artists were struggling, you know. Mm hmm. And so, you know, in this, um, she's moving her stuff around. We also learned that her brother, Ali, wanted, is about to propose to his girlfriend, Laylee. And then uh, does uh, Shireen has no hesitation. It's like, what? Really? Why? Mm-hmm. You know, and they get into, they don't get into a spat about it. But what happens is that they kind of like, you know, Ali goes to his mom in the kitchen and Shireen stays with her dad. And, you know, they're having these two different conversations kind of like shitting on each other. And, you know... You have like Shireen kind of telling her dad's like, I feel like he's rushing into this marriage. He's like 32, whatever. And like the dad's like, please mind your own damn business, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And then you have in the kitchen where it's like a completely different conversation, um, which, you know, I've heard before. But like, um, I think like Ollie is like telling his mom's like she's directionless. She doesn't know what she's doing. um, She's not dating anyone. I don't think she's ever been in a serious relationship. It's like, she's such a mess, mom. You have to do something about her. The mom's like, don't you think I'm trying? She's so hard to get through. It's just such an interesting dynamic between um, the two of them and between um, the family. Yeah. You know, it's like, the thing is Ali, he's not wrong. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. if we're comparing them, we see that Shireen is more defensive and putting a lot of the attention on her brother because she knows that, you know, he has his life together. He's a urologist. He's about to get married. You know, he's going to start a family and she knows that's exactly what her parents want of her. And so, you know, in her defense, she has to try and put some type of like wrench in his life and explain some type of issue because Mm -hmm. she's not at that place you know she's moving in with these two pretentious roommates and she doesn't have a good job she's not in a relationship you know it's like she is by definition a mess and a directionless mess at that um but you know we also see that she has to make excuses for why she moved out of her apartment her family has no idea why she moved Mm -hmm. you know they thought that you know she was living with um you know, a roommate and that she had a really good apartment in a nice neighborhood and they had no idea why she was moving to Bushwick with some, you know, crazy art people. And she has to make up these excuses because she can't tell them that it was because she broke up with her girlfriend and that her roommate was her girlfriend. Mm -hmm. You know, there was also an interesting, um, thing there's also interesting conversation, um, in the scene as well, where, you know, the mom was like, 
where um it's like your other apartment was so better but then it's like i guess um you know at least your roommate's sexy and then shireen goes like um i forgot the girl's name but she were she says oh that girl yeah i think it was felicity or something yeah she she is but she's not really my type or something like that or she's like together with the other guy and you know and then the mom's like no i meant the guy you know (laughs) (laughs) and it's like it goes further to show like um you know how she's still in the closet and you know how her parents are still kind of oblivious about so it. So oblivious, yes. Yeah. And then, so in the next, then we get a flashback scene. Yeah, we um, go back to Maxine and Shireen's first meeting. Yeah, and so um, they meet on New Year's Eve, and they're on the steps of outside of their apartment, and we see that they have two very strong personalities. They have different humors and they have different opinions, like different strong opinions. Yeah. You know, there's this conversation where Shireen's like, she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm bisexual. I like dykes too. And then, um, Maxine was like, no, that's offensive. And, but like, you know, Shireen's like, but it's okay because I'm, you know, kind of like, you know, that whole like, uh, thing about if you are part of that community, you, you have the right to say that, um, term, right. Yeah. Um, basically they have this clash of political correctness of like what's right to say and what's not to, right to say. And yeah. right there, it kind of shows their very strong um, viewpoints and how different they are. And yet that's what makes them gravitate towards each other. Yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, I do agree that that's the reason why they did end up getting together, but it's like, mm-hmm. we do see that, you know, because they are such strong personalities and they immediately start butting heads. Like I was so surprised that that was Maxine at first, you know, mm-hmm. just because of how, you know, the narrative flips from, you know, present to past without any type of indication, you know, I didn't think that was Maxine at first because of how heated their debate was and then you Mm -hmm. know they end up you know kissing and Mm -hmm. you know I thought it was very interesting because today you know we would see that within the queer community you know we we've reclaimed words we've reclaimed queer you know Mm -hmm. within like gay community you know it's faggot and you know trigger warning I should have said trigger warning because you know those words still are offensive to a lot of people but Mm -hmm. you know it's Mm -hmm. like you know, Shireen is a queer woman and, you know, we're not going to take sides on who's right in this debate, but, mm-hmm. you know, just a little outside of the narrative, it's like, well, you know, I think today it wouldn't be an issue for her to say that, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think it really does speak to Maxine's personality of being confrontational and being argumentative and Shireen doesn't back down you know she's the same way she defends herself she's very defensive but you know she doesn't do it from a place of weakness you know she comes at her you know at her level and Mm -hmm. you know just seeing that I was like okay yeah you know I can I can see why they gravitate towards each other but you know, this is why they're not going to last because of these personalities. And it's like, we just know from the beginning that they aren't meant to be together, you know, from all these flashbacks. Right. And then it's also, it's interesting because I think what, um, Akhavan was trying to make with having, you know, Maxine and Shireen together was to show how, you know, I think Maxine's supposed to embody like this person who is the appropriate lesbian, you know, who is, you know, the way a queer is supposed to act, you know, versus where Shireen is that inappropriate, you know, abject uh, queer woman who, you know, doesn't get shown a lot in media or, you know, just because media wants to put up this positive image. And I think, you know, it's a really interesting how I think they, I think that was intention to have these two specifically embody those different um, polar opposites, of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. That's interesting because, you know, I do see that too. And I kept thinking Maxine reminded me of someone from like Go Fish, you know, like Mm -hmm. someone from the nineties, a different view on queer women identity. You know, this Mm -hmm. is what she represents. And, you know, Akavan Shireen, she's the answer to this. This is the new, you know, queer woman, you know, this is her response to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also a new queer woman who's, very more who's more assured in her sexuality yes she's not out to her parents but she's very more assured in her sexuality she goes after you know uh what she wants and we see that you know 
um, as she's reeling from the breakup still and she's looking for more sexual exploits in Brooklyn um, to help uh, get over Maxine, you know, she goes on OkCupid and she meets up this guy. I don't think his name was ever stated, but his username was BrooklynBoy82. And, you know, they end up hooking up. Um, what I love about this scene, and I think, um, Nick, you'll agree with me, is that I love how instead of showing the full sex scene between Shireen and this random guy, it immediately cuts to a sex scene with Shireen and Maxine instead. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's more sensuous and it's obvious that Shireen is enjoying um enjoying it way more you know um it's this really cute scene and they're interrupted um to go pick up weed you know and maxine goes out the door to pick up weed and you know they're smoking and getting high and you know this is a scene that we see that they admit that they're falling in love with each other yeah you know i did love how the scene progressed from her hooking up with this random guy to mm-hmm. thinking back to you know one of her sexual experiences with maxine and you know it's where we see that shireen she's trying to find some like she's trying to feel something she's trying to get her mind off of maxine and sadly that's that's not going to happen you know she's trying to find something to take her mind off of um her ex but it just makes her think more of her because that's what she truly wants but Mm -hmm. um something that i was really curious about that i wanted your your take on is you know she does resort to going back and to this flashback and, you know, reminiscing during her sex scene with this guy, mm-hmm. you know, of her being with Maxine and they're interrupted. Maxine goes to get, you know, weed and they come back and admit that they're falling in love. But there's a moment in between that where, you know, Maxine leaves and then Shireen automatically jumps up and she goes to the window and she watches her and then she immediately as soon as she see maxine is coming back into the building she rushes back into bed and it's like the way she was watching her you know it's it Mm -hmm. felt like that there was this level of distrust it's like she didn't trust what maxine was doing you Mm -hmm. know just the way that she was watching her how sneaky she was acting and i was really curious what you thought about her actions in that scene you know, I don't know. I didn't see it that way. Um, it's interesting that you saw it that way. I, I, for me, it was just more. I thought she was just watching, um, Maxine, like just making sure she's okay. Um, she's nothing going on. And then you know, when she comes back, then she just goes back on the bed and so you know, get ready to have sex again or to reengage into their earlier activities. Um, mm. yeah, that's how I saw. It. But you know, I I might have to go back and see it and you know, look at it at the way you are seeing it. Cause I, I don't know. I didn't get that. That's really interesting though. But that kind of makes sense that if, you know, if Shireen has this really distressful kind of mentality where she can't even trust Maxine, because, you know, I, I feel like maybe that goes into another reason why their relationship wasn't doing well. Yeah. You know, it was just because of how sneaky she was acting, mm-hmm. but you know, I think it was because I was reading into why their relationship was, you know, doomed from the start and, you know, what that mm-hmm. had to say about, you know, Shireen's character. So, you know, I might be reading into it too much, trying to find these little connections, little confirmation bias, but, um, yeah, definitely. I would love for you to watch it again and, you know, mm-hmm. see if there's anything, anything else from it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, if that's where Shireen was coming from, because, you know, again, like th- this relationship by no means is a healthy relationship. It's a very toxic relationship, even mm-hmm. if they had that cute moment where they admit, you know, that they're falling in love with each other, you know? Yeah. It's like, how authentic is that? I love you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we get, um, I, I don't know if we want to press into this, but there was that one comment where, you know, Maxine says instead, um, you know, it's, it's supposed to come off as humorous where Maxine was like, oh, instead of saying I'm falling in love with you, too, she says I'm I'm trans and I want to transition into a man or, you know, and mm-hmm. I wanted to know your thoughts of how you felt on that, because that that was the um, that was the part that made me feel uneasy. It, it felt to me a little bit transphobic. Yeah, you know, I think we're still at this point like in the early 2010s where Mm -hmm. we don't have that really 
positive representation of trans identity. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's something where it's possible Maxine could be a turf, you know, it's mm-hmm. that, that wouldn't surprise me, you know, because she's coming from this old, you know, this old type of like identity of queer women. And so yeah. it's possible that she might be transphobic, you know, I, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's a joke, you know, it just, it would be something that you would take caution from, especially after saying, I love you too. It's like, why would mm-hmm. you make a joke like that? You know, it's yeah. like, do you, do you feel the same way? Is this your way of deflecting? Because if so, it's, you know, it's, it brings back when she was calling out Shireen for, you know, saying the D word, you know, at the New Year's Eve party. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, how can you say something that is really insulting? You know, mm-hmm. the, after making such a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's clear that both Maxine and Shireen are deplorable characters. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, at least they're also characters that we probably see every day, right? Yeah. You know, they're imperfect. You know, they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're not characters that you really root for. And, yeah. You know, it's more realistic. You know, it's a realist type of film. So we see this further when we go into the next scene where Shireen infiltrates one of Maxine's activities and, you know, she flirts openly with this queer law professor from NYU, mm-hmm. you know, and it it's interesting um, in this scene because you can see how riled up Maxine gets um, just by having Shireen there. Yeah. But I think there is something interesting in the scene because, you know, there's this interaction between Maxine and Shireen at the same time as that there's this man in this group for queer (laughs) women. And he's just going off about how he's considered a pedophile because he, you know, he can't have a relationship. And when he was 18, he, you know, had sex with his 16 year old boyfriend and now he's a pedophile. Mm -hmm. And there was someone, um, you know, off camera who was like, you know, I thought this was a group for queer women, you know, something like that. And I'm like, you know, that so typical, a man takes over a space for women, you know? Yeah. I know. It was just um, another man invading a space, queer space as well. And then we get into a flashback where, you know, Shireen is at her, her and Maxine's apartment and her parents are there, um, you know, and they kind of um, get into this fight, but you know, like uh, Shireen's still in the closet at this point and, you know, her parents are kind of questioning things around the apartment. They're like, why is there only one bed? You know, and fun fact, you know, cause you know, Shireen makes so many funny excuses, you know, like, oh, that's how, you know, they do it in Europe or something yeah. or like that's how or like that's how them, they did it in the movie Beaches or something. Uh-huh. And she keeps going on and on. And fun fact is that all these excu- excuses were actually Hakavan improvising. Huh. I did not know that. <laughs> right. And again, so we can definitely see how uh, what a great actor um, Desiree Akhavan is um, just she in the scene. Like, you know, if I were Maxine, I would probably be laughing so hard at that point. I know you would have to like she's absolutely brilliant. But there is something that's kind of difficult with this scene because, mm-hmm. you know, there's always this discourse about staying in the closet or, you know, coming out and being your authentic self and how, you know, we can't expect people to come out of the closet just because, you know, a a pride or something like that, because there are reasons why people have to stay in the closet. And we see in the scene how Maxine is, um, she's not very tolerant about that, about, you know, Shireen not telling her family that she's queer. You know, we, we don't get a lot of support from Maxine in the scene, do we? No, we don't. Uh, she comes up very cold with mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I love that. I love that Shireen when she looks at Maxine and she says, you know, it's a process and I'm working on it. And, you know, it's that I love that sentence because it is a process. And, you know, again, each person has a different journey and different process of how they are able to accept themselves, how they come out to their parents, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I love that she said that. And I feel like it was certainly like it was Akhavan saying that, you know, it, it was a process for her working on it because, you know, she came out as bisexual, I, I believe, to her family um, right 
before this film, I think, too. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think, you know, Shireen is going through a lot. I think Shireen is really trying to f- figure things out. And, you know, even being in a relationship with Maxine, it didn't help where you constantly had a partner who wasn't supportive, who wasn't understanding um, where you're coming from, where you're, you know, what your hesitations are. And, you know, I I thought it was just really disheartening and unfair of the way Maxine was acting. I agree. And, you know, again, as we said, uh, not to keep repeating, they're not great for each other. Um, (laughs) But then we get into the, now we get back to the present and we finally get where um, Shireen and that law professor, that NYU law professor from the advocate group earlier on, are on a date at a bar, right? And this this scene was awkward, like beyond awkward for me. It was, and I felt like it was just a lot of self sabotage. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, this this woman, this professor is would be such a great person to be in a relationship with, but you know, it's clear Shireen, she's not ready for that. She's still hung up on her ex and she's sabotaging this because she knows that this could, you know, possibly turn into a great relationship if she would allow this NYU professor to get to know her better Mm -hmm. and to open up. But you know, that's sadly, that is not what Shireen is ready for at the moment. Right. You know, Shireen says, you want to go back to my place? And law law professor, I feel so bad. I felt like she had a name, but we'll just be calling her a law professor. (laughs) Um, um, You know, she she's like, no, if that's okay with you, I I don't think I want to do that tonight. Right. And you have her. But like, it's interesting because she still wants to be with Shireen. She wants to have a genuine conversation with Shireen. And so we see this furthermore, like, as you were saying, how um, Shireen doesn't want to you know, she's not over Maxine. She wants to self-sabotage. So she ends up like pulling her away, like ending the date very quickly and like running away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of me was like, oh, that's sad. Um, because I, I, it was like in a way that this professor could have been really, he- a really healthy relationship, um, yeah. potentially healthy relationship for Shireen. But I guess, but you know, Shireen just wasn't ready for it. No. And then, you know, we see that type of self-sabotage continue in the next scene where she meets up with this couple, you know, after her date with the professor and, you know, she's drinking at a bar and she decides to go home with this couple and they begin to initiate a threesome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at, at first I was really hesitant with this scene um, mm-hmm. Only because I was afraid it was going to go into that territory where it's like, oh, you know, she's a bisexual and, you know, she's going to get into a threesome, the negative stereotype. But instead, what I love is that Shireen, sub- um, Desiree Akhavan, sorry, Akhavan subverts it with the way it ends up going. Um, and it's also her first time ever doing it, too. And um, we find out that she's really not into having her threesome. You know, she was she was more she was having more enjoyment with the woman, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just it was really cringy because it was clear mm-hmm. from the moment that she was like talking with this guy, that ginger guy, mm-hmm. that um, you know, there was like no interest between them, you know, and it's like he obviously just wanted to see two women hook up and then yeah. have sex with his partner. And Shireen was just there as an object. And it was nice because the girl in that relationship she didn't feel that way she really wanted to have a general connection Mm -hmm. with shireen but you know that was not going to happen in that threesome like it was clear that you know shireen noticing that those two were going to you know really primarily focus on each other and that she Mm -hmm. was there just to kind of service him you know while he's having sex with his partner it's like that's not what she wants to do you know that's the last thing that she wants to do and Mm -hmm. I think it was a wake-up call for you know it's like she was in a situation that you know sounded like it could help you know numb the pain but it actually was just making her feel worse and that she really does want an actual connection and that she needs to really focus on you know trying to reconcile with her feelings for her ex you know she needs to get her shit together (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and it's interesting having the next scene show up where um we get the flashback with basically they're at pride party they're at pride 
And in this scene, we have, I think this is, we have the friction, like really at, you know, boiling with the way Maxine is drinking like vodka, like downing vodka after vodka. Right. And then, you know, Shireen and Maxine just don't interact at all in this, in this uh, party. But then we end up having um, Maxine kissing this guy, this random guy um, at the, at the bar. Shireen obviously sees she's very upset. And Maxine goes out. It's like, it was nothing. It was like kissing. um, It was kissing lips with like a baby. Right. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know how to feel with the way Maxine was handling that situation. And yeah. Yeah. She was just kind of absolving herself of cheating on mm-hmm. Shireen. You know, it's right. like, well, f- as far as we know, Maxine is strictly into women. And so her, you know, kissing the sky, it's just, it's, you know, it's so unlike her where it's like, well, you know, we could possibly believe that. But at the same time, it is a betrayal to mm-hmm. Shireen. And so, you know, we see that they're both very toxic in the situation. Maxine is, you know, she's not owning up to her mistake. And then Shireen gets violent with her. And, you know, I just kept thinking, oh, gosh, you know, like knew from the beginning, this is such a toxic couple. Like, this is mm-hmm. awful. But, um, you know, I really did like that Shireen didn't make it about her kissing a guy because, you know, mm-hmm. Shireen is, you know, a queer bisexual woman. And, you know, it's like when we get to these films about queer women and their relationships, there's always this trope about one of the partners who is strictly a lesbian you know, having sex with a man, you know, and that's what breaks up the relationship. You know, we see that in The Kids Are All Right, which came out around the same time. You know, mm-hmm. I believe it was just like right before this film. You and also then L word. Yeah, you know, you, we see it a lot in a lot of queer women uh, media. And I'm mm-hmm. really glad that, you know, Akavan made it about the betrayal, not about who maxine was kissing but just Mm -hmm. the betrayal in general i agree because i think there was a line in the scene as well where i think shireen was like you know you haven't even had sex with me and maybe a week or whatever and yet here at this party you know that you're not even talking to me not even dancing with me you just end up kissing um this random person you know and that Mm -hmm. was the that was the heart of this problem that was why she was so angry and i agree with you i love how they um they that Akavan didn't make it about a sexuality thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then we get to our last um, flashback to their breakup. It's Maxine's birthday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it was just inevitable. You know, it was inevitable that it would happen after all of these, you know, scenes that we get of them together and how, you know, unfit they were for each other and how toxic they were for each other. And, you know, we're finally caught up to, you know, Shireen today from like, we're finally back to the chronological start of their breakup and her, you know, coming to collect her, her items. But, you know, I, you know, you just don't really feel bad or upset with these characters because, you know, they're so imperfect, you know, they're Mm -hmm. mismatched people, this happens. And it's like, you don't blame anyone in the situation because, what I really liked about how they showed this relationship is it was clear that they weren't a good match and that happens. And I'm glad that it was shown in such an authentic way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, then we get into the present day where we're at another party and, you know, as Shireen is going shopping to get ready for this party because she wants to make Maxine jealous and she's going with her friend Crystal. And, you know, it's this hilarious scene um, where we have Shireen looking for lingerie and we have this um, saleswoman who just comes up and she's like all of a sudden giving this therapy session <laughs> to <laughs> Shireen about her boobs. And it's like, excuse me? <laughs> I know it was so uncalled for but you know it was really funny i'm like she really knows how to sell like Mm -hmm. she's good (laughs) and you kind of just see her friend crystal on the other hand like you're really buying into this (laughs) and (laughs) see i loved i loved crystal i really wanted Mm -hmm. more of crystal like i want to spin off of crystal's life because she was just i loved every scene that she was in and i know like it's not the film's not about her but it's like i wanted more crystal (laughs) Mm mm-hmm 
I definitely agree. And, you know, we get into this, I, this really funny uh, end to this scene where, you know, Shireen's, she's still getting dressed and you have like a saleswoman and Crystal just having kind of like this, like silent, yeah, this silent (laughs) stare off with each other. And it's like the saleswoman is kind of like trying to like pinpoint, okay, where can I find her weakness where I can get her to buy more clothes? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's like Crystal's like, "Uh uh-uh, no, you can't get me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, um, Shireen opens up the curtains and she's in this, pink kind of like lingerie set you know which we don't ever see again in this whole entire movie but it was just a i think it was just kind of like a funny scene where it's like the saleswoman's like oh it's so beautiful and then chris was like ah (laughs) you know i'm not sure about (laughs) that just being supportive yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but you know that's uh that's just the the funny uh scene that i love that leads up to um this party that they go to and she sees Maxine and surprise, surprise, um, Maxine's date that's there is actually, um, is actually the teacher that Shireen works with. We also completely skipped over the, um, that scene. I just remember the scene at the school where, you know, Shireen, um, is dealing with little kids and, you know, she has to teach five-year-old kids. And then she has this, um, on the cross the hall, she has another teacher where she, they're te- teaching the advanced film class. It's so funny. Um, just to have an advanced film class where they're t- doing a re- reenactment of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds and talking about frames and scenes and design and having a makeup crew. Um, and um, they're all nine, they're like all seven to eight-year-old kids, I think, too. Yeah, so it's hilarious. It was very bizarre. Yeah. Um, but so the whole point of that is just because so that teacher um, who's teaching the advanced class, who's basically um, the appropriate teacher, um, you know, the contrast to Shireen is Maxine State. And, you know, it yes. sets off this kind of weird, um, oh, not weird, but it sets off, it sets off Shireen, essentially. And I just want to briefly talk about who Shireen, the, sh- the date that Shireen brought. I don't remember his name, but his, but the fact that he was just deadpan the whole entire time and like not giving a single care about what was going on with him was hilarious to me. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I was like, where did she find this guy? Um, But, you know, I think it's very interesting. You know, Maxine moved on really quick. She found her appropriate match. You know, it's the Mm -hmm. superficial, you know, gorgeous, blonde, white woman. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. a lesbian's dream, you know. And, of course, her name is Tibet, which I don't know how I feel about her name being Tibet. But, Mm -hmm. um you know, it's very interesting because, you know, we can tell that Shireen is kind of like clocking that and she immediately gets into this confrontation with them about Tibet. And, um, you know, she's very upset with Maxine for, you know, bringing her to this party and moving on. And so then Shireen runs off and goes to the bathroom and Maxine follows her and she comes in and, you know, it's actually a really sweet scene. You know, we can see that Maxine, you know, she doesn't hold any ill will towards Shireen and she really Mm -hmm. wants Shireen to be able to move on. And so, you know, Shireen takes her comfort as a sign that, you know, to kiss her, you know, that she's offering her some type of, you know, romantic um, type of offering. But I really, really liked that Maxine, you know, she didn't, she was very respectful about it, but she didn't give into it. And she's, you know, she stopped her and, you know, she just told her that she would be okay. And she left, you know, she was able to set those boundaries. And I think it was really important for Shireen because, you know, now that these boundaries have been established, she knows that there's nothing more that can happen between her and Maxine, you know, and it's like, at this point, knowing who she's chosen after, it's like, would she want to be with Maxine? I think it mm-hmm. was really a, a really good moment for her to have some introspection and realize that and really get to moving on from that relationship. Yeah, it was kind of like the closure and push she needed. Um, but, you know, after Maxine kind of like tells Shireen, you know, to get home safe and, you know, Shireen leaves. Uh, we get to the next scene where, you know, it's probably the most important scene 
um, the a scene that I resonate with as well. Um, and that kind of reminded me of Saving Face. Um, so we get to the scene where Shireen um, comes out to her brother and her mom. They're at the Persian uh, New Year's party again in New Jersey. Um, and we have Shireen comes out to her brother first. And I think he's just like, okay, cool. I don't really care. Um, something along those lines. And, you know, and then Shireen's like, how do you think mom's going to take it? And he's like, oh, she's, you, you should just not tell her. But, you know, but Shireen does tell her mom anyway. And we have this scene where, you know, Okay, no, sorry. Before the scene, you know, her, the brother leaves and um, Shireen's jumping over um, these fire pits. And we uh, earlier on in the movie, it's explained that these fire pits, um, you know, it's part of their culture, part of their religion. And so it's like, um, if you jump over each one um, without getting touched by fire, then, you know, you're absolved of your sins of that year. Um, so we have Shireen jumping over it. And, you know, she ends up dro dropping her scarf and then she goes to pick up her scarf and she ends up burning her hand. Right. And, yeah. you know, and then so this is where it leads her to go into um, her mom patching up her hand, um, her injured hand. Right. And we get into the scene where it's a very quiet scene and it really reminded me of Saving Face. Um where Shireen tells her mom, you know, mom, I'm a little bit gay. And, you know, Shireen's mom, still oblivious, um, you know, the smart woman completely in denial, um, says, no, you're not. And, you know, but Shireen has to keep going. And she says, yes, I am. And, you know, Maxine was my girlfriend. Um, and then her mom's like, no, you're not. And the seed kind of just ends right there um, between those two. And we don't really get any more confrontation or anything out of that scene other than than that. And, you know, personally, I, I actually really loved how Desiree Akhavan did that, you know, because she doesn't, you know, the audience doesn't need to know. You know, it's not like it's it's not something that it's not they need to know what happened, that conversation. You know, it was a private moment just for Akhavan, just for Shireen. Um, you know, it was a private moment for Shireen to finally voice you know, voice what she's been holding so long in order for her to fully move on. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, you know, it was hard for me to really track why that coming out scene happened. Like what, what, you know, series of events really progressed to her coming out to her mom and to her brother. And, mm -hmm. you know, I definitely want your opinion on that, but I really agree with what you were saying about that. You know, it's like, it didn't matter if her mom accepted her or not. It's like, it was important that, you know, Shireen said that, you know, this is why mm -hmm. it reflected Akavan's experience coming out. And it was really cathartic for her to be able to put this on, you know, on film. And you could tell that, like you were saying, Shireen, after letting that part of her identity be shared, you know, regardless of how it was received, you know, she's able to live a happier life. You know, she's able to really start up her life and start living again and, you know, hopefully make some choices that are better for her and her life. Mm -hmm. um, and going back to uh, what you were asking about why you think um, what pushed Shireen to, you know, come out. Um, I'm, I don't know. I think to me, I felt like it was more, as she said earlier in the film, she said, it's a process and I'm working on it. And I felt like she, just like with Shireen, it just came to this point where, you know, she, you know, she's at the end of it where she's worked through it and, you know, that she was able to just, you know, be herself and, you know, finally have the courage to tell her mom, you know, and her brother about who she is, about her own sexuality. You know, that's how I saw it. Um, you know, it could also be, uh, I think before the scene, we also had, um, the hilarious, um, you know, showcase of the students, the students films, right. With yeah, Shireen's yeah. little five-year-old, um, um, movie and, you know, with Tibet's advanced class, um, doing this, you know, artsy avant-garde black and white style or something. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, so, cause we see that it's this process where I think Shireen is just really coming to, to terms with accepting herself and like, um, 
finding the direction she needs. Um, you know, she was really directionless with working with these kids. And then all of a sudden she kind of like, you know what, let's do something different. I have an idea. Let's do something really funny where we can all work on it together. Let me kind of get down to your age level group and see what you guys want. You know, she takes command of the situation versus where she just felt completely like restless and, you know, useless, um, with those kids before, you know, she took command and, you know, the end product, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something Oscar worthy, but that was the point. It's not supposed to be something Oscar worthy. It was supposed to be something fun that everyone enjoyed, just like how, you know, making appropriate behavior was probably for Akaban and all her, you know, cast and crew. It was something that was supposed to be really fun and enjoyable. Like the process itself was also really meaningful and fun to them, you know, and I think that's what um, came out of that, um, what was coming out of that scene with between, you know, Shireen and Tibet's different, you know, video with the film crew and, you know, how with all those poop sound effects, I I know not poop, fart sound effects, you know, yeah, something fun. And so it's like we see Shireen kind of coming to terms with like, you know, she's kind of getting she's getting her shit together. She's kind of like finding the right directions, you know, and kind of um, that process is kind of finally coming to an end you know um and i think that's what kind of pushed her to come out to her brother and her mom because i think she was just at, at that point she was ready you know and then maybe i can even go back to the scene where she burned her hand you know maybe it was like that was a symbolism to you know because again it's like if you don't jump over the fire something's still kind of holding you back not necessarily sin because you know i don't think it's a sin but it's like you know there's things that are holding you back um in that year or in this past, um, all these troubles that are holding you back that you still haven't been able to jump over. And, you know, so maybe that was a sign for her as well to finally jump over, um, that flame that she's been so desperately, um, you know, trying to avoid. Yeah, no, I can totally see that. You know, we see the slow progression with her character and really trying to figure out, you know, how to get her life back on track. And I really do think that, you know, understanding the significance of her jumping over the fire and then getting burnt, you know, it's like that was really a wake up call, you know, of that she really needs to share her authentic self with her family, you know, that this is you know, something that's holding her back. And you could tell that the symbolism of that was something that was really important to her. And, you know, that she can really move on after telling her mom this, you know, this very authentic coming out experience. And, you know, then we get into this final scene of the film after coming out to her mom and, you know, she's on the subway with Crystal, you know, they're just going about their days, like nothing, nothing important, but then they stop at um, this train stop and Shireen sees Maxine outside of the train and, you know, they're just kind of looking at each other. Maxine's not really sure how Shireen's going to respond because she can be a little volatile, um, especially the last time that they met at the party. And, um, you know, it's a really nice moment because Shireen regards her and she waves. It's like she was able to see her let go, finally is able to move on. And she goes back to, you know, having a conversation with Crystal and they go on about their day going into Manhattan. And fun fact, I really like this final scene because um, the stop that they're at where she sees Maxine is the same stop in Brooklyn where um, I would always have to go to every day. That's the same mm-hmm. st- like stop that I would go and get off at to get home. And I was just like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm so <laughs> nostalgic for Brooklyn right now. Yeah, I definitely understand what you mean. Um, you know, with this ending scene, I, I know I said earlier, it was an- very anticlimactic for me. Um, I-, I thought it was cliche um, just because, you know, with the whole train thing, it was like, um, at, you know, we see that Shireen is moving on from Maxine, you know, she's moving on from that stop, you know, that part of her life, you know, um, I thought it was a bit cliche, but I also love it, you know, um, because, you know, it's left very open ended. And again, it's not giving us any real answers or n- not any um, conclusions, you know, like that we see in typical Hollywood movies where everything's tied up neatly, right? Everything's answered at the um, end. You know, I, I like that it was very free form and I like that it was left open ending, uh, open ended with us. 
Yeah, me too. You know, I yeah. think that it's very helpful. You know, it's it's different than the last two films that we discussed because mm-hmm. Saving Face and But I'm a Cheerleader have very definite like Hollywood endings yeah. like really providing that to queer women. But, you know, we have this shift when we get into the 2010s where, you know, we don't get something that is close in it you know it's Mm -hmm. just going to go on you know we're expecting that Shireen you know she might still have some stumbles you know she's not fully you know solved all of her issues she's human you know this is very you know humanistic and realistic film and Mm -hmm. but you're hopeful because you know we do see that she's able to move on and hopefully she's able to you know get her life back on track and maybe not get involved in too many cringe inducing moments in her life and I really like that it was a mirror to the first scene too you know we see her on this train and it's the complete opposite of her experience her journey at the beginning of this film Mm -hmm. I definitely agree you you know like as we were saying earlier I think this um, movie is just so enjoyable to watch you know and it's giving us a new perspective of you know for, for queer cinema for queer films that you know that kind of shows this abject this um more colorful character um in media and i love it i really love it yeah that's what's so important about this film you know so in her first feature she's offering a new generation's perspective on sexuality and identity and it's a response to these earlier queer women films that interrogated sexuality more explicitly you know without those films we wouldn't have a film like appropriate behavior that allows to tell a story of irreverent rom-com humor that also works as a character study of an inappropriate queer woman However, the queerness is secondary to relationship issues with Maxine and others. But with this authentic coming out experience and offering queerness from a Persian American identity, Akhavan breaks new ground in a train of films with abject cringe humor that goes beyond just sexuality. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode on Desiree Akhavan's 2014 film, Appropriate Behavior. And join us for our last episode of season two, A Fantastic Woman.